Hi, I'm Michelle Adams, and welcome back to the Beyond Words podcast. This is the place where we sit down with the writers of your favourite books and talk to them about the inspiration behind the stories that they write. In each episode of this podcast, you'll get the chance to meet the author behind one of my favourite books and be introduced to a novel that I have personally loved and which I think and hope you'll love too. Beyond Words is where the story continues once the final page has been turned. Hi everyone, thanks so much for joining me here on Beyond Words for another episode. Um, I think this is episode number eight and it feels like we've had some fabulous guests on. After last week's episode, somebody tweeted me and said that they were going to buy the book that we'd featured um, after having listened to the episode, which was a which was a huge sort of tick in the box for me because that was the whole reason why I started this in the first place. Um, just to share books that I really enjoyed in the hope that somebody else would then be able to discover them. So I hope that um, if you're listening in, that you're finding some fabulous books that are new to you or revisiting some books that you've already enjoyed. I've got a lot of other authors lined up waiting to come on over the next few weeks and uh, a few months actually, and I'm just really excited to, to be able to bring those books and authors to you. This week is no exception. I have a fabulous guest this week for you who has established herself as an author um, stretching across a decade of books, scooping prizes and awards, uh, one of which was the Crime Writers Association Dagger, which was awarded for her entire body of work. So um, that's a measure of the kind of calibre of the author that we've got talking to us today. She's a Sunday Times bestseller and her latest book, The Split, uh, which we're here to talk about today, has been described as her best yet by uh, by no other than Lee Child. So um, I don't think we really need much more of an endorsement than that. So it's an absolute pleasure to um, welcome Sharon Bolton to the podcast. Welcome to the Beyond Words podcast. Thank you so much for your time for being with me today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, firstly, I'd just like to say thank you for sending me an early copy of the book. The split was something I noticed on social media quite some time ago. And from the short trailer that was released of a person walking across the ice with a huge crack running through it, I remember thinking that it looked like the kind of book I would really be able to sink my teeth into. And that was absolutely the case. I found it very atmospheric with the isolation, the setting and the wonderful cast of characters. Thank you. I'm very glad you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I would love if it's possible for you to do a, a short reading Ooh, for us, yes. to just introduce the people that will be listening to this podcast to a, a kind of the atmosphere of the book. Well, the first chapter is very, very short. So shall I just read that? Yes, that would be pleasure. Chapter one. It's not a ship. It's an iceberg. Oh, thank Christ. She drops her binoculars and feels a thudding in her chest that might be her heart starting to beat again. There is no smoking allowed on the island, but she pulls out her cigarettes all the same. This because if she can subdue the shaking in her hands for long enough to light one, then she might feel like she's in control again. The wind, though, won't let the flame catch. She checks the horizon again. The speck in the distance is still ice, floating east into the vast, cold emptiness that surrounds the Antarctic. The ocean is troubled today, steel grey as the sky and broken like shattered glass. 
storms come so fast here and sunshine turns black in the blink of an eye. The bad weather will be working in her favour, slowing the ship, but not forever. The last ship of the season, one more and she's safe. She thinks of the fear inside her like a cancer, eating away at muscles, organs, bone, growing all the time, until there's nothing left of her but a rotten, stinking mass in skin stretched like an overfilled balloon. How will the terror burst out, she wonders, when it inevitably does? A scream? A petrified whimper? An alarm sounds on her phone, letting her know that life doesn't stop, even when it's on the brink of ending. She turns to walk back, knowing that she's running out of places to hide. The ends of the earth. That's how far she ran this time. Not far enough. Thank you so much. Pleasure. What I really like about the beginning of this book is that in the same way that the cover transports you to a location and to a genre of fiction, this opening passage really takes you straight into the heart of the story that drives our protagonist all the way through it and immediately delivers you into the fear that she's feeling. Yes, I mean, that was quite important for me. And interestingly, that opening chapter was probably the last that I wrote. Um, so the book was finished and had been through at least two stages of edits um, with a, a different opening. I think with, a, yes, a different opening. Um, chapter two was originally chapter one when we, we meet Felicity um, and she's about to dive into the glacier lake. Um, which is a chapter I particularly like because I think it does really sort of um, bring across the, the atmosphere of South Georgia and to some extent her fear. Um, but I think I had a feeling it wasn't quite giving the right the, the tone of tens tension that, that I wanted. Um, it wasn't quite as as powerful an opening as I felt the book really needed. Um, so practically at the 11th hour, um, I thought, you know, I can do better with this opening. So I, I wrote that, that, that opening chapter, which I think works quite well. It really does. And I had this conversation, strangely, on last week's podcast. Um, and we were saying that often those last chapters that you write, be them the last of the book or, the, or going back to the beginning and adding something in, for me, at least as a writer, they're always the most important ones that really tie things together or, in your case here, set the scene. Yes. Well, one of the key themes, particularly the early part of the split, is the idea of the, the, the terrified woman on the island waiting for the ship to come in, dreading that the man she's terrified of will be on board. Um, and I wanted to play around with that idea because... The, the point of view switches in these early chapters between Felicity, who is in fear, and Freddie, who's coming to find her. So as soon as we find out that Felicity is frightened of Freddie's possible arrival, we switch to the ship um, and to his point of view, and we know he's coming. So we track the two of them um, almost in tandem for the early part of the book until they finally meet up. Um, and that, 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 that sort of that helped the tension for me because we're switching from the the point of view of the victim to the the, the hunter. And this sort of chase that is taking place in these early chapters is intensified even more so because of the location that Felicity finds herself. She is stuck on an Antarctic island with no hope of sort of 
an easy escape. And that gives us such a, a, a lovely insight to her that, like the reading that you've just given us, she's had to travel all this distance away to escape the, the fear, Freddie, that she's trying to run from. Can you talk to us a little bit about Felicity and how you began to create her? Because she really, for me, she's the heart of this novel. She is, yes. Um, I'll tell you something very interesting. I was chatting not so long ago to a good friend of mine who is a fellow crime writer. Her name, with, right. with Orion, as you and I both are. Her name is Eva Cav Emma Kavanagh. Uh, yes. She is um, a, a psychologist um, and we were talking about the nature of psychopathy in the general population um, and she was saying that um, one key characteristic of the, the classic psychopath is fearlessness um, yeah. because they don't feel the same level of fear that most of us do they can operate very efficiently in very extreme environments and she made me realize that in both felicity and freddie without meaning to i created two psychopaths because they both are very much at home in the very extreme environment of south georgia it's a very very hostile place where very few of us will, could survive frankly but they yes. both can um, so we've got a real clash of the titans between the two of them um, until they eventually come face to face. Um, so I did that without realizing I was doing it. Um, uh, when I first created Felicity, I was just thinking about a woman who on the surface appears to be very capable. She's, um, she's a world-renowned expert on glaciology. She's the obvious person to send to study glaciers in the Antarctic. Um, so on the surface, she's very capable. She's very fit physically. Um, she's very smart. Um, but she um, is fighting all sorts of demons in her, in her own head. Um, to the point where she she gets pretty close to despair at some points in the novel and it's interesting to hear you describe her there as a as a psychopath because <laughs> it's not something that i had considered with felicity but makes absolutely absolute sense when you say it mm. but also what you created was someone who was incredibly I don't know whether relatable is the right word, but I just really found myself rooting for her. Mm. Well, I should say that fearlessness is only one aspect of the, the, the psychopath's character. Um, I've learned all this relatively recently, you understand. Um, they also have to display a sort of recklessness, a disregard for law and order, and, and an essential meanness. Um, so um, in order to have made either Felicity or Freddie um, a classic psychopath, Psychopath, I would have had to have given them those characteristics as well. And um, one thing I do do quite early on in, in the split is give Felicity what I think is known as a save the cat moment. Are you familiar with that expression? Yes. We're presenting a character that the reader might not particularly warm to at first we get them to save a cat from a burning building or to yeah. save something. So Felicity has um, adopted two abandoned penguin chicks and she keeps them in her room and she's sort of looking after them until she can take them back out into, to join the colony. Um, so that's Felicity's um, save the cat moment. Um, so that should <laughs> signal to the reader fairly early on that she is somebody we can trust and can warm to. And also, she comes across obviously being a glaciologist she's incredibly intelligent mm. and that also runs through the novel that she's dealing with demons but she's dealing with demons with a very capable mind 
Yes, she is. Um, but, but to some extent, her, her, her impressive intellect is almost part of the problem because when she reaches the stage, which she does fairly quickly in part two, when she feels she can't trust the contents of her own head, she can't trust her own mind, she, starts, she suspects she's going mad. Um, when she loses um, her intellect, that, that does hit her very hard. Well, let's talk into that a little bit about her, her her sort of sense that she's going mad. We do deal with some difficult mental health problems throughout the course of the book. Yes. What kind of you you mentioned talking to um, Emma Kavanagh about this, but what kind of research did you have to do? Because it felt such a well-rounded approach to mental health. And I just wondered, what did you have to read or investigate in order to create this character well i've i've written about mental health a number of times before and i've had characters who have been psychiatrists or psychologists before now um so i've, I've already done a lot of background reading i think it's quite hard to write crime without going into psychology yes. to some extent so i had a certain background of of, of of knowledge to draw upon but there is a very specific mental health condition that um, is, is, is considered in the split, um, a very rare one. Um, some psychiatrists even doubt that it exists. Um, so there isn't a huge amount um, to read, to learn about it. Um, and I certainly couldn't find much in, in the textbooks, in the sort of medical literature. But there, are, there have been a couple of, um, of, of sort of uh, biographies of, of people who have suffered from it. Um, and I found those very, very useful. Um, did you read any other fiction work that is, is about this kind of area as well? No, I haven't. No, I, I, if there, ha if it has been considered in fiction before, I haven't come across it. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of of using of re reading fiction as part of the research process. I think yes, that can be extremely helpful. Um, but 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 not in this case. I mean, it's it's barely been explored. I mean, there is a very famous film um, that that looks at it, but but in fiction, not much that I'm aware of. And, and in many ways, that was helpful to me as a writer, because one of the things we have to be a little bit careful of is, is getting things wrong. Um, yes. And, and yeah. laying ourselves open to criticism for, 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 for experts for in various fields to come back to us and say, you have done that wrong. Yes. When um, an area has very little knowledge surrounding it, as this particular condition does, that it's harder for that to happen. Um, so I, I, I did feel I had slightly more of a free reign than I would have done if, if I'd been working with, with a, a better known condition. Yeah, much more freedom in the creative process to, to test things out. Yes, yes. Um, and similarly with the, the South Georgia location, because so few people have been there, including myself, I have to admit, um, there are very few people who can say to me, no, it's not like that. That's not the feeling you get when you stand on the beach or... or, or <laughs> Well, well, this location for me, it absolutely, it, it just drew me in and I found myself stopping the reading process to just go onto Google and I wanted to go into the maps and look at the pictures and take the little man onto the roads. I was obsessed with seeing what it was like. It because is, it's, it's astonishingly such, beautiful, isn't it? It really is. And um, I don't know whether I'm going to say it correctly, but there's a town that you raise, is it Greitkeven? 
Britvikan, I would say, but I'm, I'm not Norwegian, I, who knows? And, and the beautiful little church, it's yeah. just, it's incredible, with a very interesting history. Fascinating history, very dark history in many respects. A very dark history, and, and I mean, you, you say you haven't been there, but it felt like a very real exploration of that location. So how did you create that? What kind of research did you have to do? Um... I strongly believe that writers do not have to visit the locations of their books. As do I. Um, and for me, it, it, I think it might even detract from the process. I would get too caught up with what I was seeing around me and, and lose and not get a sense of the atmosphere of the place. So I would lose its spirit. So I almost prefer not to go until the very end, the very end of the process. And then I'll go and maybe check a few things out. Um, but, but that really wasn't possible with South Georgia. Um, do the internet research first is, is what I always do um, and the, you, you'll always find something what can be very very helpful in far-off communities is social media so when I was yes. writing about the Falkland Islands a few years ago I mean I was very lucky in that everybody out there was either blogging every day or they were on Twitter or Facebook so I was silently stalking the residents of the Falkland Islands That's so months. helpful but it was really helpful in getting a sense of their day-to-day -day lives and I picked up all mm. sorts of little snippets like wild crowberries that grow by the roadside that I would never have got from a textbook so social media stalking them stalking the residents is very useful um, any books that have been written about the place I would always order and, and, and absorb yes TV programs documentaries the scene where Felicity dives into the glacial lake that opens the split um, I, I, I wrote that by looking, watching a BBC documentary about um, icebergs and um, how they're formed, um, wow. which wasn't set in the Antarctic, I think set in, 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 in the Arctic, um, but it, it gave me the feel of the place that I could sort of use then. Um, but there's no substitute for imagination. Absolutely. Closing Absolutely. your eyes and thinking, how would it feel to be on that beach? What would I smell? Yes. What would I hear? um you know how cold would I be it, I felt cold the whole way through thank you <laughs> <laughs> although hang on hang on they're, they're, part two is set during a heat wave well <laughs> during that section <laughs> um another again talking about that location of South Georgia the sense of isolation is massive. One, it's so far away. Two, there's a very, very small population that live there. But that sense of isolation also mirrors the sense of isolation that Felicity feels yes. wonderfully. So the theme of isolation, is that something that came out through the writing process or is it something that you specifically wanted to explore when you first came over the concept of this book? It's something that had not occurred to me before this minute. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, that, but isn't that the absolute joy of books? That yes. things yeah. appear in them that the writer didn't intend or didn't plan. I mean, I did not, I set out to explore lots of themes with the split, but none of them was a sense of isolation. Um, and that, you know, I, it had not occurred to me that the isolation that Felicity feels throughout the novel is perfectly mirrored in the location that we, where we first meet her. Hadn't occurred to me, but you're right. Um, but you saw that, not me. Yeah, Which I saw that. And but the perhaps, joy of books. 
it is the joy of books, but I also think there's a certain magic that comes with writing. Yes. It's not something that you can necessarily teach. And perhaps that is something that you were putting in there just because it felt right. Quite possibly, yes. <laughs> so talk to me about the themes that you did want to explore. What was it that you were trying to, what is it that you were trying to put into this book? Oh, gosh. Um, it started out as a classic chase thriller. I'd, I'd, for a long time, I'd wanted to write a book set on South Georgia. I'd come across it while right. I was researching the Falkland Islands and filed it away. That place is fascinating. Got to do a story there. So yes. um, I wanted to write a book set there. And I, I wanted to do a classic chase thriller about a woman fleeing a man that she's terrified of. I explored that with Dead Woman Walking, a book I wrote a few years ago. And it was really very successful. People liked that idea. So I thought, I'll do that again. Um, but I wanted to build in a twist when the two of them meet, which they do towards the end of part one. Um, I wanted to sort of turn the reader's expectations on their head a little um, and, and give the reader the first of a number of surprises. Um, but in order to do that, I had to think, well, hang on, what brought them here? How did they come to this? So then we go back in time, sort of nine months, and we yes. learn much more about Felicity's journey before she arrives at South Georgia. Um, so, you know, I, it started out as a classic chase thriller that then became an exploration of mental health. And to some extent, um, how much we rely upon um, our memories and the way and the reliability of, of how our mind is functioning um, because we when we cannot trust the evidence of our own minds you know we're, we're pretty close to despair which is you know, where we see Felicity going um, yeah so I that's what I set out to do and, and anything else that's in there, you know, the, 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 psych, the study of psychopathy that Emma discovered, the sense of isolation that you discovered, um, just sort of sort of finds its way in um, through the process. The magic of fiction. Yes. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, one thing that I thought in the book is that we're often thinking about the stories behind people who are marginalised and without a voice. Mm. I think often... Felicity feels that she doesn't have a voice because she doesn't understand the things that she's experiencing. And also we follow a homeless population, a population of rough sleepers throughout the boys who are perhaps, perhaps one of the most marginalized groups that we have in our society. And I wonder what was it that drew you to that, to, dis to, to thinking about them? I, I think for me, it, it, I think you've, you've, you've hit the nail on the head when you're talking about people without a voice. Um, and that's something that I've been thinking about a lot, um, particularly this year, um, with you know, the, the very, very different um, society that we find ourselves in this year. Um, and um, from being a population and a country that believe ourselves to have huge numbers of personal liberties and civil liberties you know we've seen them for understandable reasons taken away from us and you know we've lost the power of our own voices in many ways because yes. um, something cataclysmic has happened to the world um, we've all had to knuckle down and follow a party line whether we're comfortable with that or not um, so I've had a sense this year uh, of my own voice being subdued 
Um, and maybe that was feeding into, into, into my thought process um, as I was finishing yes. off the novel. Um, the other thing that I, I really found in this book is that it drew me to the, to the problem that we're all talking about lately, which is the, the problem that precedes COVID of climate change. Mm. Um, when we're talking about the health of the world, the environment, um, there's a lot of um, popular narrative about how we can try to change things, how we're responsible for them. And having the novel set in um, South Georgia with carving icebergs and um, how things are melting, it, it made that at the forefront of my mind. Yes. And I wondered if that was something that you're also passionate about, whether that was an inspiration for the novel. Um, yeah, it's something I've long been interested in. When I was really quite young, I worked for the, the Environment Agency um, specifically on the rivers so yes right. something I've always been very much aware of um, and it, it felt topical to be writing about the polar regions um, when everybody is concerned um, about what's happening to them um, and it gave me the opportunity to have a nice little scene where um, Joe and Felicity first meet Joe is her psychiatrist um, and he's asking her what she does and she explains she's a glaciologist and he says yes yes the polar bear is very worrying he's, he's patronizing her he's just dismissing her and she comes right back at him um, and says oh, no it's about far more than that and she, she yes. sort of explains quite passionately why ice is so important to her um, and I like the idea of, of a, a young woman who was passionate about ice. I, I liked yes. that sort of, um, I started to see her as um, almost like a, a character, Elsa from Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> a woman who's entirely at home in a cold environment. Um, just moving away from the split for a moment, because you, you've already mentioned that you had, you have been writing for a number of years now you've had a long career as a writer um can you talk to us a little bit about how it started oh gosh um uh a number of things sort of came together at once um i'd been working in the city um we were living in london um but i'd been toying with the idea of, of writing and wondering whether i could write fiction my job was public relations so i was writing i was writing press releases and brochure copies right. um putting pen to paper and creating copy was something i was doing every day um and i think could i write fiction um i did a course um on writing short stories that wasn't hugely successful i toyed a bit with sort of light romantic fiction nothing really sort of worked um but then a number of things happened at once. My, my husband's job moved from London to Oxford. So we moved out of London. Um, we decided it was time to try and start a family. Um, and, and I was made redundant from my, my, my own job. So, um, you know, I, I didn't have a job. We were trying to start a family. We'd moved from London. So it, it just felt like the right time to, to right. give it a go. Um, and the first book I wrote um, went, got nowhere. It was rejected by everyone. Um, and I think I was, I was probably on the point of giving up, but I thought but I'd had this idea for a, a book that eventually became Sacrifice. I thought, oh, just one, one, one more go, I'll, I'll, I'll write this. Um, and it took a number of years to write it because my son was born by this stage. Um, so I was writing as he went down to sleep. Um, but just as he uh, first went to primary school, it was picked up by the market and published. And, and since then, I've, I've done a book a year. It's fabulous. Mm. And it, I mean, it, 
it takes something to be writing a book a year um, and to have that kind of longevity where people are continuously reading your work and where you're continuously renewing your contract. What kind of, what kind of qualities do you think that you need as a writer to, to maintain or even create that kind of longevity? I think you have to be happy with your own company. Um, it's not a job I would recommend for very young people, not full time. Um, when I was in my sort of twenties and thirties, I, it would have been very, very difficult for me to be on my own all day, every day, sitting behind a desk with no human interaction. Um, it, but, but, but now at the age I am now, it suits me fine. Um, yeah. So I think you have to be happy with your own company. You have to be reasonably self-motivated that you know that you will sit down for a few hours a day and work on the book. Um, I think you have to enjoy the process. Yes. You have to get a huge amount of pleasure um, from creating an imaginary world and, and building it slowly, piece by piece, until it yeah. is complete and whole and hopefully rather beautiful. Um, but and the process, that, I suppose, of just chipping away at it. Mm, yes. Um, and it, it, I think you have to have enough self-confidence to keep going because there are many, many points in the process when you will think, I can't go on with this, it's rubbish. Um, you know, I can't finish it or I can't see where I go next. Um, and you, you need the self-belief to, to keep going until the end. Yes. Um, and what is it that draws you particularly to the genre of psychological thrillers? Oh, gosh. Um, they are the only stories I have. The, the only ideas that come into my head. I would very much like to try writing something new. I mean, you said you've just written a romance and, and I, yes. I, I love that idea. I'd love to be able to write a romance. Um, or um, my favourite genre of all is magic realism. Um, wow. Uh, so it'd be great to try that or science fiction or something like that. But I, those ideas just don't come into my head the way the ones that lend themselves to psychological thrillers do. And you do it very well. Thank you. Well, I think so, people, uh, what somebody once asked Stephen King why he wrote the sort of books he did. And he said, what makes you think I have a choice? And, and I, I don't have a choice. Yeah. yeah. This is just what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, returning to the split now, um, I read it recently. I found it a fabulous story. It's so tense, so atmospheric. And for anyone that loves psychological thrillers, I think that they will be highly rewarded by reading this book thank you very much indeed i'd love for you just to give us a sort of brief a brief um sort of elevator pitch why will a reader love the split it is set in a location that they've never been to probably may even never have heard of it is exciting it has lots of surprises and there are penguins. <laughs> um, it's out next Thursday? Yes, it's out. No, it's out in paperback tomorrow, I believe, in certain shops, in WH Smith's and a few other shops. And mass market distribution next Thursday. And mass market 29th. Okay, so 22nd and the 29th. Um, 
Do you still get butterflies after so many books? Yes. Are you nervous, Absolutely. excited? Absolutely terrified. Yes. I don't think that will ever go away. And how will you be celebrating? Or will you not? I might not, I might not be. <laughs> uh, well, we're, um, we're driving up to see our son at the weekend. He went to university for the first time um, in oh, September. So we are taking him out to dinner on Saturday night. Um, so that will be our celebration. Fabulous, fabulous. Um, well, I wish you all the very best oh, thank you. with the publication of The Split. And I really I look forward a... to reading your love story when it's... Uh, oh, thank you, thank form. you. I'll be sure to send you a copy as soon as I have the chance to. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, it's great to have you here. Thank you very much. <laughs>